Charlie Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! KD! You can <laughs> see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and as always, this podcast is a part of the Believe Podcast Network. And I know it's been a while since I've recorded. I've been busy. We changed um, uploading platforms. A lot of things have been going on, um, and I just frankly haven't had time. But I am back and hopefully going to have a more consistent schedule as we move forward as well. But on today's show, I just kind of want to recap what we've seen from the Timberwolves over the last few weeks because it's been, I think, that the last podcast I recorded was that really bad Towns game where everybody wanted to trade him. I mean, I don't think I've recorded since then um, after Kyle and I talked there. So it's been a while. Uh, Things have turned around quite significantly since then. And I just kind of want to recap that, go through everything that's happened basically in the last 10 games, um, then look ahead in the season. I also want to highlight some players that have been doing really well and talk about um, what I think this Timberwolves team needs to do to really solidify themselves as a playoff team in the Western Conference. Um, but before I do get into that, I do want to just go ahead and get a quick word from our sponsor. So I will be right back. If you're looking for a place to bet on Timberwolves action, NBA action, NFL action, whatever type of betting you want to do, Bet Online is the place to go. They are back better than ever with a brand new web interface. I've been telling you guys about this. Um, they have more props now, more odds, more lines than they've ever had before. And it just simply remains the number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So if you head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC... Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so as we kind of look at these past 10-ish games and break them down, what I think is really important to note is just how good the Timberwolves have been on both sides of, of the floor. Um, so... 10 games ago would have been, so that streak would start with the Kings game. So right before the Kings game, quick recap, uh, Timberwolves blow out the Lakers, but then get beaten to a pulp by the Clippers before playing tough against the Suns. And then they had 10 games since then. The 10 games start with the Sacramento game where they win by 10. Then they go ahead and beat the Spurs by 25, beat the Grizzlies by 43, and then go beat the Pelicans by 14. So... They start that little four-game win streak. They're looking good, um, but it's against opponents that really aren't all that. Memphis was the best win of the bunch, um, but nothing, you know, spectacular um, happens outside of just, like, outscoring them like crazy and shutting John Morant down. So they didn't really have much. I don't want to make it sound like the Timberwolves weren't spectacular. I'm saying, like, Memphis wasn't spectacular. They played a bad basketball game. Some of that due to the Timberwolves. Some of that due to just, like, not hitting shots. Um, But they won by 43. And they really just made Memphis look like they were in a tier below the Timberwolves. And since then, Memphis has now lost John Morant for at least a few weeks. 
um, timetable for him returning is unknown. But that game looked awesome. They go and they beat the Pelicans, who had gotten the best of the Timberwolves earlier that this season. Um, and now the Wolves hold that record 2-1 and one against the Pelicans, so they're holding the season series as we speak. But the next game was against the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler was coming to town. And this was a game that felt like a playoff atmosphere. It was the day before Thanksgiving. There was pretty much a packed Target Center house. People were ready to yell at Jimmy Butler. And this was this felt like a game where the Timberwolves, if they wanted to prove that they were a new team, a different team than they had been in the past, this was a game where they had to come out and show the NBA and fans and anybody around the league that they mean business. And they did that. They were down at halftime. They struggled a little bit. And then the third and fourth quarters came and they just dominated. Miami had nothing for them. They ended up winning the game by 12. And it was electric. I was at that game. Target center was crazy. Jimmy Butler was getting booed every single time he touched the ball, which you'd think would fuel him. But for some reason, that didn't really happen in that game. Anthony Edwards kind of took over that game. And it was it was a sight to behold. It really was insane um, to be in the building that night. And that felt like a huge step forward. Then the Timberwolves went ahead, played Charlotte two days later, and laid an egg. They lost by 18. Charlotte was hitting every shot, getting out in transition, getting whatever they wanted, dunking everything. And Minnesota just couldn't keep up. And they ended up 133 to 115, dropping that game, and it felt like back to old Wolves, right? And so at that time, the Timberwolves were on a five-game win streak, so they dropped that one. So they're five of their last six games. And it looked like they were heading into a really, really tough schedule where they had the 76ers, the Pacers, the Wizards, and the Nets coming up in their next four. Timberwolves go out against the 76ers. Um, Joel Embiid gets every foul call imaginable. They go to overtime, then they go to double overtime, but Minnesota ends up pulling out the win by one point um, in Joel Embiid's first game back, but he dominated, so I don't think he was like, I don't think that's something you can say, oh, it's his first game back, he was rusty. No, Joel Embiid was dominating, and despite all that, and probably the worst ref game I've seen from the Timberwolves in a very, very, very long time, um, Minnesota won despite all those factors, and that felt like a huge win especially coming off that Hornets loss literally the day before. 23 hours prior to that game was tip-off of the Hornets game. So Minnesota was at a disadvantage because they had to fly from Charlotte to Philly. They also played the night before, and the 76ers did not. But they came out with that win. And then they played the Pacers. That was a gritted-out, grinding game. Um, But they won that game, too, by two. Um... It took a lot. It was a lot of defense. It's kind of sloppy. DeMontis Sabonis just dominated on the glass. I think he had 25 rebounds. But it was just ugly. But the Timberwolves won it. And sometimes you've got to win those ugly games. It can't be perfect to get a win. And the Timberwolves did that. And then in the last two on Wednesday, they lost to the Wizards by eight. Pretty much just let the Wizards get whatever they wanted um, down the stretch there. Especially, actually not even down the stretch. The whole game, Montrezl Harrell and Daniel Gafford, I think missed like six shots total and they scored like 40-something points between the two of them in that game. Um, It was insane. Um, That felt kind of bad. It feels like the Timberwolves could have won that game had they hit some shots and played a little bit better defense, but they didn't. They lost by eight 
And then they played, um, so I'm recording this Saturday, so they played last night against the Brooklyn Nets without Carl Anthony Towns, without Jada McDaniels, and without Patrick Beverly. Carl Anthony Towns took a hard fall in the Wizards game. He had a dunk, swung in the rim, lost his grip, landed right in his tailbone. Um, X-rays came back negative, which was good, and he was questionable to play, and it, it honestly sounded like he was going to play pretty much all the way up until tip-off, and then he was rolled out. Obviously, Patrick Beverly's dealing with an injury that um, he got that was going to sideline him for at least a couple weeks. I think it's been a little bit over a week now for him. Hopefully, the Timberwolves can get him back by the end of next week, but I'm not sure what that's going to look like. And then Jaden McDaniels didn't make the trip to Washington or to Brooklyn due to uh, flu-like symptoms. He, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Edwards, all were dealing with flu-like symptoms. Vanderbilt seems to be back. He played against Brooklyn and had all of his energy back. He didn't seem to have all of his energy back against Washington. Um, Anthony Edwards has seemed a little bit out of it. A lot of that maybe has to do with that flu that he's been dealing with. Uh, but Jaden McDaniels has been you know, in Minnesota. And the Timberwolves are back at home on Monday. And we'll see what Jaden McDaniels' status is for that. But it sounds like Cadigan probably should be close to playing on Monday. If he was close to playing on Friday, you could assume that he should play Monday. But... I don't know that for sure. And then Patrick Beverly will likely still be out as well. Anyways, so I just quickly ran through, you know, those last 10 games. Let's go back through that. There were some impressive wins in those games. The Memphis win was really impressive because they blew them out by 43. Also, Memphis beat OKC by 73 points the other night, which is literally insane. I do not know. I wish I would have watched that game because that's how... Cause the the lifelessness of Memphis when the Timberwolves beat them by 43 was terrible. I cannot imagine what it was like for OKC. And Memphis had one 20-point score in that game. They had nine in double digits, but only one in 20. That's And it was only like 27 or something by Jaron Jackson Jr. So it's kind of crazy how they won that game. I wish I could have seen it, um, but literally insane. But anyways, Minnesota beat that Memphis team with John Morant. And then they destroyed them by 73 without John Morant. Regardless, impressive win. Next impressive win was Miami. A good quality team. Pretty much healthy, you know, minus like Morris. Um, and then a Philly team. Maybe Those were all impressive wins. Then you had solid wins against Sacramento, San Antonio, um, and the Pacers. And then the Pelicans win. Now, the Pelicans win. They won by 14. Pelicans have been bad all season. They're missing Zion Williamson. But since the Timberwolves played the Pelicans, the Pelicans have gone on to beat the Wizards, who are a playoff team in the East, the Utah Jazz, who are a solid team, the Clippers, and the Mavs. And they're 4-2 and two since they played the Timberwolves. I think they had one loss to the Jazz also and one loss to the Mavs. So they're 1-1 one one against the Jazz in that time, 1-1 one one against the Mavs. They beat the Wizards and they beat the Clippers. So it seems like they're turning it around. So maybe they're not quite as bad as we think they are. Um, regardless, the Timberwolves, that was a good win. Their only really bad loss was the loss to the Hornets in these last 10 games for the Timberwolves. Um, and then they had um, a loss to the Wizards, which wasn't great. And then I would categorize it as a fine loss to the Nets. They lost by five. They were down Carl Anthony Towns, Patrick Beverly, and Jada McDaniels. They got... A bad game from Anthony Edwards, a poor shooting night from Malik Beasley, and not a great game from D'Angelo Russell, and they still beat a not fully healthy, or they still barely lost to a 
almost fully healthy Nets squad. They, I mean, the Nets are missing a couple people. Joe Harris is out. Um, but they had Kevin Durant. They had James Harden. Nick Claxton came back and just had a foul fest for like five minutes and then he was done. But regardless, that's the top seed in the East with their two players healthy, two top players healthy. Tim Wolves missing their best player. They're probably sixth man, seventh man, and the energy of their team. Patrick Beverly's been out. So people that are upset about that win, I guess I don't really see where you're coming from. I don't really understand why you're so upset about that. I like Somebody was tweeting at me about, yeah, you can't get complacent with losses and this and that. And, and I get what you're saying, but like, dude, teams lose basketball games. Even championship quality teams lose 20 games a year. Nobody has ever gone 82 and 0. The Warriors went 73 and 9. That was insane. Nobody wins every single game. So if you're upset after watching the Timberwolves down a bunch of players with poor games from some of their best players that were there, only lose by 5 to a team that has title aspirations on the road, I'm sorry. I don't I can't sympathize with you. I don't empathize with you. I don't understand where you're coming from. Okay? You know, I'm if you're barely losing to you know, the Pelicans, yeah, bad loss. Absolutely nothing. And I'm not even saying it's a moral victory that they like almost beat the Nets, but it's like a confidence boost to me and should be for the team to realize this is not the same team we had last year. This team has grit. This team grinds out games. They play defense. And they get after it. And that's something you could never have said about the Timberwolves before since probably maybe a Rick Adelman team. And if not, then since Kevin Garnett's been here. You can count on this team to compete pretty much night in and night out. And that is refreshing. And that is something that I don't think we've seen from a Timberwolves team in a very, very long time. So get out of here with all that talk about, you know, a loss is a loss and this and that. I get it. It's going to be an L in the score sheet. But you don't come away feeling like this team is any worse than you did before they lost this game. You know, you're not coming out heartbroken, figuring out what's wrong, all that stuff. So I guess that's just my two cents on it, but I'm not too worried about it at all, to be honest with you. I thought it was a good game. All right, before we move on, I want to go through some stats over the last 10 games that kind of help us get a taste of who the Timberwolves are. Um, But before we do that, we do have to go ahead and get in another quick word from a new partner, and I'm excited for this one, so I'll be right back. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com and add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. Okay, so as we dive into some stats, both for the team and then a couple players as well, I want to um, highlight some things. But before we do actually get into that, I need to talk about two things that I don't really have stats necessarily to back up, but the eye test has been showing me. Actually, make that three things. 
The first thing is, Nathan Knight looks like he deserves some run, some legit rotation run. If you watch the Brooklyn game, you saw Nathan Knight battling super hard to get any rebound he can, kind of Jared Vanderbilt-esque, and he just plays hard, and he thinks that he deserves minutes, and to be honest with you, it looks like he does. Um, Timberwolves could use that extra rebounding, so maybe there is a spot in the rotation for him after all. I don't know. But I think that I just wanted to, you know, give him his share of the light from that game because he did battle. And he didn't score a lot. He had a cool, ferocious dunk. Um, But I thought he played well. I thought he brought energy, brought rebounding. Those are some things the Timberwolves could never have too much of. So shout out Nathan Knight. Hopefully he does get another chance here. If Jaden McDaniels remains out, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays against Atlanta on Monday. But we'll see. Um, with Carl Anthony Towns, obviously they needed another big body, and he came in and did that. I'd be interested to see what he looks like next to Cap, but you know, with Vanderbilt, McDaniel's, Nas, the minutes aren't always going to be there. But I would like to see what that looks like, and you know, if he brings some extra rebounding, that could maybe help the the Wolves steal some of these closer games. The other thing I want to talk about: two things about D'Angelo Russell that I wanted to bring up. D'Angelo Russell's passing over the last like. 10 games, 8 games, whatever it's been, has been elite. He has been ridiculous. The one play sticks out in my mind with that nice little over-the-head pass that he had last night. It's just ridiculous. So he's been far and away a better passer over the last handful of games than he has been for the Timberwolves probably ever since he came. Um, And I knew that, I've been saying it before, I think his passing ability has been underrated and he's kind of been showing that finally, making me not look quite as stupid as I maybe have looked. Um, But yeah, he's been passing the ball really well. And then his defense and his defensive communication, I cannot say enough good words about what he's been doing on that end of the floor. He has been talking through coverages, calling out the opposing team's plays. He's been stepping and taking charges. He's been boxing out. He's been doing all those little things that helps someone like him not be a negative on that end of the floor. He's not the best athlete. He's going to struggle to stay in front of guys. But what he is going to be able to do if he keeps bringing this is he is showing people what communication, what effort, and what just IQ can do for somebody on you know that side of the floor. I would say he's been a solid defender, like actually like a positive on that end of the floor, which I never thought I would have said. I've always thought he was a decent post defender, an okay, like a decent off-ball defender because he's long and he's smart. But he's brought it to a new level. He's been anticipating what teams have been trying to do and he's just calling it out or he's stepping in and stopping it from happening. And he's basically like trying to make the wrong people beat the Timberwolves and it's been working so far. Um, he's, you know, his gambles that he makes have looked good and the communication, you know, calling... The, the one thing that that really pops out to me was in the Philly game. Um, the plan was to double Embiid. And and as soon as D'Angelo Russell knew that that ball was about to go to Joel Embiid, he's calling out the coverage of who needs to go double there, who needs to go get there, saying go Vando, go Vando, go Vando, or go whoever to get over to that spot. And that's just impressive from a guy that maybe isn't the best defender himself, but I think he's you know, individual defender. But as a team defender, he's been bringing it this season, and I don't want to gloss over that. And I know it's been, I mean, it's been some national guys or some guys outside of the Timberwolves realm 
have been noticing it. Jackson Frank covers the 76ers. He noticed it. Um, and it's just been really, really cool to see that he hasn't been a negative because that was like a big question mark with this Timberwolves team. And so since we're talking about defense and we're talking about D'Angelo Russell being effective in that side of the floor, I believe he still has the, you know, lowest defensive rating for the Timberwolves this season. Maybe it's Josh Okogie. I Now I can't remember. But his defensive rating... Okay, so his defensive rating is 98.3. Okogie's is 98.0. So effectively the lowest. Um, and then it's Jada McDaniels. Then it's Jared Vanderbilt. Then it's Ant. Then it's Cat. Then it's Pat Bev. And it's just been impressive to see all those guys um, playing defense like that and having you know net ratings that are positive and just being effective on that side of the court. There's lapses, there's all that stuff, but the Timberwolves have been fantastic overall. Over the last 10 games, let's go through this quick, they hold the ninth best offensive rating in the NBA, according to NBA.com. It's 111 or 112.2. They hold the fourth best defensive rating over that span, 104.5, and their net rating of 7.7 is the fifth best in the league. And over those 10 games, they are 7-3, and those three losses are against the Wizards, the Hornets, and the Nets. So three solid teams. Um, let's go through some stats of what has been working for the Timberwolves, what hasn't been working for them, and just all of all that. Okay, so despite their good record and their positive net rating, they're shooting just 45.1% from the floor, which is 17th in the NBA. Um, and they're shooting just 33.4% from three, which is 21st in the league. And their defensive rebounding has been very bad. They're 32.4 defensive rebounding. That's 25th in the league. Only five teams are worth worse. So that's not, that's, that's a problem that we knew was going to be there. They're like the smallest team in the league. We knew that their rebounding was not going to be good, but they make up for it, the offensive side of the ball. 13.8 offensive rebounds per game. That is the best mark in the entire NBA. Thank you to Jared Vanderbilt and Carl Anthony Towns, who both seem to be just outrageous defense or offensive rebounders at the moment. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, literally unreal as a rebounder. Currently, he averages 17.6 rebounds per 100 possessions. Far and away the best in the Timberwolves. I think Cat's at like 12 or something like that. Um, and 8.1 of those, so nearly half of those, are offensive rebounds. 8.1 offensive rebounds per 100 possessions. That's insane. That's like up there with the Andre Drummonds of the world. You know, like the best offensive rebounders in the league. Drummond, Ennis Cantor, excuse me, Ennis Freedom, Ennis Cantor Freedom, whatever his name is. Um, that's up there. That's like tops of the league. So offensive rebounding machine, Jared Vanderbilt. Um, so that's what's been keeping the Wolves afloat is that offensive rebounding because they're not shooting it particularly well. They're not rebounding it well um, on the defensive side of the floor, but they are throwing also almost the most turnovers in the entire league. They're 26th in turnovers at 15.1 a game. So like 25 teams throw less turnovers than they do. And they foul the most, 23.7 fouls per game. That is the most of any team in the league. Yet... And see, this is over the last 10 games. All these stats are not, these aren't stats whole season long. Just the last 10 games as they're 7-3. Yet, they're, like I said, they're fifth in net rating. So they've been doing really, really solid. And I've been very impressed with what I've seen. 
I think that's pretty much all I want to talk about, except for just talking about the Timberwolves' upcoming games and what they need to do to you know, be a true playoff contender in the West. So let's talk about the next upcoming you know, 14 games for the Timberwolves. I'm just going to list them off in order. They got Atlanta, Utah, Cleveland, Portland, Denver, the Lakers, Dallas two times, then Utah again, then Boston, then the Knicks, then Utah again, then the Lakers again, and the Clippers. That is 14 games. They play four Eastern Conference opponents um, over that span. Atlanta, who's a playoff contender. Um, Cleveland, who's been playing really solidly. Boston, and the Knicks. So those are four solid Eastern Conference teams. And then in the Western Conference, Utah's a playoff team. Portland's a playoff team. Denver's a playoff team. Though Denver is down Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and hasn't been playing very well as of late. But then they play against the Mavericks twice, who are a playoff team. Again against the Jazz. Two more times against the Jazz, actually. The Lakers, who have been struggling, but still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then the Clippers, who have the Timberwolves number. The Timberwolves need to take some of those games. Those are 14 games. If the Timberwolves go 4-10 and 10 over that stretch, they are going to be 15-22. and 22, Seven games under 500. They cannot afford to go that bad. If you want to prove that you are a playoff team in the Western Conference, you got to win half those games. Go 6-8 and eight over that stretch. 7-7. Seven and seven. Because you, you can't afford. like There's not a single easy game in that stretch. you got to go out there and demand wins. And for the first time since I've been covering the Timberwolves or since I've been watching the Timberwolves since the time I was little, I feel confident that the Timberwolves have a team that can compete night in and night out throughout that schedule. I would not be shocked if they went 10-4 and on that stretch. They're good enough to do it. Will they do it? I don't know. They're, they're, they're playing some good teams, but it wouldn't like blow my mind that they go 10-4 and of that stretch. The old Timberwolves would go 1-13, 2-12 over that stretch. This Timberwolves team, to continue to prove that they are different with the defense that they've been playing, you should get Carl Anthony Towns back soon. Jaden McDaniels should be back soon. Patrick Beverly, hopefully within the next week or two, should be back. you got to go on a run. Win some of those games. Because then, if you can come out of that... Say they win 6 out of 8. So they come out of that stretch. Currently they sit, I believe they're 11 and 12. Right? So if the Timberwolves come out of that stretch, 6 and 8, they would be 17 and 20. Three games under 500. Not terrible. But the next four games they have is two against the Thunder, then Houston, then New Orleans. They could get those four games, get right back over 500. If they can come out of this 18-game stretch at 500... They would then be 40, excuse me, yeah, 41 games. That would be the halfway mark of the season, okay? So this would bring you to the midpoint of the season, that New Orleans game, 18 games from now. If you can be one game over 500, 21 and 20, that would be fantastic. So that's my hope for the Timberwolves. Win out of these next 18 games, win 10 of them. You got pretty much four gimmies with... The Thunder, Houston, New Orleans. If Zion's back, that one might be tougher, but I think the Timberwolves can do it. That's all I'm asking. 10-8. and eight. Can they do it? This team feels different. How different are they? This is a stretch that is going to 
define what this season is for the Timberwolves. After that, the season gets a little bit easier. It's not going to be easy. They have one of the toughest remaining schedules. But if you can go through this stretch, even go 500, so you're, you know, one game under 500 at the midpoint of the season, you're 20 and 21. Most people weren't expecting that from the Timberwolves. Keep up the defense. Start hitting shots. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley have not been hitting shots. If they start hitting shots, there's no reason the Timberwolves can't win these games. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So I am ready to see what they can do. It's time for them to put up or shut up. They've been doing it so far. Can they do it again? It all starts Monday night against Atlanta at home. Anthony Edwards playing his hometown team. If you can come out and win that game, see if Rudy Gobert can guard Cat in the next game. Timberwolves have a chance. That's all I'm saying. But anyways, thank you guys for coming back after I've been gone for... I don't know, three weeks. I appreciate you. I'll be back sooner than that, I promise. And I hope everybody has a fantastic December as we head into the new year. I appreciate you. I'll be back. This has been the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. Follow me on Twitter. Tweet me. Shoot me mailbag questions whenever you have them. And I'll be back soon. Peace out.